Welcome to Walking Together, a podcast all about encouraging each other as we follow Jesus together. I'm your host, Dennis Lavelle. Let's start walking. Social media has just been blowing up this week with pictures of graduation ceremonies. Matter of fact, I was reminded by a friend that our 40th high school reunion takes place this month. It just doesn't seem that long ago. I mean, how is it even possible that we've all gone from being seniors to, well, being seniors? In my mind, I think back to all the things that were important in high school. If you lettered in a sport or in a band competition, that was a big deal. Truth be told, I still have those in a box somewhere because I could never afford the jacket or the sweater that you were supposed to sew them onto. But when it came time to graduate, there were two things that every senior wanted. The cap and gown with the tassel and a class ring. Now, my dad was a pastor, so my parents weren't rich by any stretch of the imagination. And honestly, I was pretty confident that I wasn't going to be able to get the class ring because that year, gold shot up to over $400 an ounce. And if you follow the trends, I mean, that's nothing because I did a quick Google search and today's rate is over $1,870 an ounce. But back then, $400 was huge. And even though the class rings were only 10 karat gold, they were charging the price with something that was 24 karat gold. But somehow, my parents scraped up enough money to buy that ring. I still have it today. And it actually still fits, amazingly enough. Well, one of the lesser known events in the Bible is found in Second Chronicles. And it's a great lesson with a lot of practicality. In 2 Chronicles 9, the Queen of Sheba comes to visit King Solomon because she has heard so much about his wisdom and his wealth. So when she comes for a visit, one of the gifts she brings is 120 talents of gold, as well as a large amount of unique spices and precious stones. But the Queen of Sheba wasn't the only one that came to visit King Solomon. There were explorers and merchants too, And they all brought gold as well. So much so that we read in verses 13 and 14 that the weight of the gold that came to Solomon yearly was 666 talents of gold, besides what the traveling merchants and traders brought in. Now, 666 talents of gold means almost nothing to us because our standard of measurement is much different. We use dollars and cents not talents. But 666 talents of gold is 22 tons, which at today's value is worth over $1 billion. And he got that every year he was king as gifts. So what did he do with all this gold? Well, he had 200 large shields made and 300 what we would classify as medium-sized shields. Now, if you don't know already, Gold is not light, it's hefty, so these shields would be crazy heavy. And he puts these shields in the palace, which was basically his house, which was right next to the temple where they worshipped. He also made an ivory throne and overlaid it in gold. The footstool for the throne was made of gold. The steps going up to the throne 
were made of gold, and all of his drinking cups were made of gold. I mean, what would you do if you had that much gold? You wouldn't just keep buying stuff because you wouldn't have anywhere to put it. You'd have to keep building bigger buildings to hold all the stuff you keep buying. Jesus actually talked about a man who had so much stuff that he decided to tear down his barns and build bigger ones to hold all of his stuff. The only problem was he died the next night. And the point is that we don't know how long we're going to live, but also our stuff shouldn't be our priority. Acquiring more things shouldn't be what motivates us to get up in the morning. And Solomon wrestled with what to do with all this gold because he had an overabundance of it. Not only that, but if you read 1 Kings chapter 10, verses 21 and 22, you'll see that there was a fleet of ships that came to him every three years, bringing him gold, silver, ivory, apes, and here it comes, peacocks. Oh my, peacocks are gorgeous, but they're really loud. What do you do with peacocks that people bring you every three years? Well, in Ecclesiastes, Solomon talks about making gardens, and it's probably where he put all of them just so he wouldn't have to hear them all the time. But let's go back to the gold shields for a second. When Solomon would go from his palace to the temple to worship, he would have the general of the army tell the soldiers to take the shields and line the area heading up to the temple. There would be a bunch of steps going up to the temple, so there would be 150 guards on each side, each holding a solid gold shield. Now, if you can imagine this happening on a warm summer day, the sun would be very bright and the sun would just gleam and bounce off of those shields. Now, what I do know is that gold is reflective. I like to do a lot of photography. And if you want a warm skin tone, you either shoot near the sunset hour or you have what's called a gold reflector. And you basically bounce the sun off the gold reflector onto the subject. So when Solomon is walking up the temple steps, this would be a very bright event with the sun reflecting off of those golden shields. Well, a chapter later, chapter 12, King Solomon dies. And the next king is his son, Rehoboam. And he's a terrible king. He's not wise like his daddy at all. As a result, 10 of the 12 tribes of Israel rebelled against Rehoboam, and it divided everything into north and south. And the northern kingdom fell quickly into idolatry. And Rehoboam, who was king of Judah, or the southern kingdom, had an opportunity to walk with God, but he chose not to do it. And we read in chapter 12, verse number 1, Now it came to pass when Rehoboam had established the kingdom and he had strengthened himself, which means he has been king for a while now, that he forsook the law of the Lord and all of Israel along with him. Now, it's bad enough to rebel against the Lord, but when you lead a whole country into rebellion along with you, the Lord is going to have to step in and remedy that. So in verse number two, during his fifth year of reign, Shishak, king of Egypt, invades Judah, Jerusalem, and all the fortified cities. And the reason is because they have turned their backs on God. They had no desire to serve him, and so the king of Egypt is going to come in and take charge. And in verses 6 and 7, 
we read that the leaders of Israel and King Rehoboam humbled themselves and they said, the Lord is righteous. Now, when the Lord saw that they'd humbled themselves, the Lord said, I will not destroy them, but I will grant them some, not all, but some deliverance. He said, my wrath will not be poured out on Jerusalem by the hand of Shishak. And you think, okay, finally this guy has come to his senses. He humbles himself, and we see God's grace. And God says, I will grant you some deliverance. And the reason being is given to us in verse 8. It says, nevertheless, they, meaning Israel, will be his servants, King Shishak's, that they may distinguish my service from the service of the kingdoms of the nations. In other words, God was teaching Rehoboam and the entire nation the value of serving. They would know what it meant to serve. So God, in essence, was going to teach them how to serve him by teaching them how to serve others. See, when we serve others, we honor God. And our goal is to establish a relationship with others so that they, in turn, will establish a relationship with God and learn to serve him. And then, hopefully, they learn to do the same thing. Verse 9 tells us that when King Shishak came in, he took away things that belonged not only to Rehoboam, but things that didn't belong to him. He not only raided and plundered the treasures out of the king's house, which would include all the heirlooms from his daddy, but he also took the treasures out of the Lord's house. So all of those gold shields that his dad, Solomon, had made and consecrated to the Lord and to the service of the Lord, they are G-O-N-E, gone. Now, what I find interesting is if you'll remember back in Exodus chapter 12, When the Israelites left Egypt after the devastating plagues, it says that they spoiled the Egyptians, meaning they took all their stuff, gold, jewelry, clothes, you name it. Now, hundreds of years later, God sends the Egyptians to take all their gold and valuables back. How's that? Yeah, God used a worldly, very godless king to correct his people. So what does Rehoboam do? He commissions the metal workers to fashion 300 new shields. But this time, they wouldn't be made of gold. The replacement shields were made of brass. And here's the thing. When you polish up brass, it looks exactly like gold. When they line the streets and the steps up to the temple with these replacement shields, they would gleam and be shiny just like the gold ones. But here's the problem. Instead of Rehoboam telling the people, look, we have all done wrong, and I, as your leader, have failed, we haven't been serving the Lord, and God is trying to get our attention by allowing King Shishak to come in and take all the things that were dedicated to the Lord. And this is all because of our disobedience. He had the opportunity to do that, but he didn't. He decided to try and fool everybody. And listen, nobody was going to know except him, the metalsmiths that made the shields, and the 300 soldiers. The soldiers would know for sure because brass isn't nearly as heavy as gold. You see, brass is not pure. 
It's an alloy of copper and zinc. And unlike gold, brass must be polished constantly because it tends to tarnish. The color will get darker. And this is a warning to us. You can't fake it with God. You might be able to fool your friends or even everyone at church or at your workplace, but God knows when you're trying to give him a fake substitute. Listen, he doesn't want your fake stuff. He wants you. He wants your life and your heart. So before you come down too hard on King Rehoboam, perhaps you need to examine your own heart for a moment. Here's the question. Are you guilty of giving God brass instead of gold? Are you offering him an inferior substitute for your very best? Maybe you're giving him an offering or a tithe, but you're not giving him your life. Watching Rehoboam is like watching a schizophrenic squirrel running here and there. Because if you read it in verse number one, he walks away from the Lord. In verse number six, he repents. In verse 12, he humbles himself. He realizes he's done wrong. But in verse 14, we're told that he did evil. It's a life that's up and down, in and out, hot and cold, and on and off. It's the picture of a confused person who does not have a clear direction or focus in his life. And again, this is a person who is giving God less than the very best. And the lesson we learn from Rehoboam is this. Humbling ourselves is insufficient in God's eyes. Humbling ourselves without one other ingredient, well, it's really not humility at all. And that other ingredient is serving. Humbling yourself is one thing, but serving is something else. It's actually the next step. You see, a non-serving Christian is a contradiction of terms. And Rehoboam never learned how to serve anyone other than himself. He didn't serve God, and he never even learned how to serve his own people. So God allowed his stuff to be taken in order for him to learn what serving meant. So here's the big question. Have you exchanged what is right for something that looks right or gives the appearance of being right? God's not fooled. Don't try to serve God with a cheap substitute. Ask yourself, does God have my very best? Am I trying to fake it with everyone around me, like King Rehoboam? Why did God allow Shishak to come and invade? To teach them how to serve other people. Stuff's not important. People are important. That's what being a follower of Christ is all about. Find out what the needs are of the people close to you and do your best to meet those needs, especially if they need a relationship with Jesus. Let's serve one another. Again, stuff isn't important. People are important. Does God have my very best? Don't try to serve God with a cheap substitute. I hope this has been a help to you. If it has, share it with a friend Share it on social media. If you give a positive review on Apple Podcasts or whatever your podcast platform is, that all helps people find the podcast. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.